14. S carried the length of the board, around 5, thence to 6 and back to 1. After again passing around 5, the pegay which later serves as a lease rod in the loom, is encircled each time by the threads passing between 6 and 5. As the warp is carried from 1 toward 5, it passes outside to 3 and 4. But when it is returned to 1, it is inside these pegs. These are the handle rods of the loom, and loops from them enclose certain of the threads, thus determining the order in which the warp is to be raised in opening the shed. The loom, while primitive, is far from simple in its operation. The warp is attached at both ends to sticks or rollers, the far one of which is fastened to a cross timber of the living room plate LXVI. The web is kept stretched by means of a strap or belt, which attaches to the near roller and then passes around the waist of the operator who sits on the floor with her feet against a bamboo brace. The arrangement of the lease rod and handle sticks has been already described. In addition to these the threads are further controlled by a reed board which acts both as warp spacer and beater in. All being ready for the weaving, the shed is opened by raising one of the handle sticks, and a heavy knife-shaped batten of wood is slipped into the opening. This is turned sideways to enlarge the shed, and a shuttle bearing the weft thread is shot through. By raising and lowering the handle rods the position of the warp is changed as desired, while from time to time the weft threads are forced up against the fabric by means of the reed board, and are beaten in with the batten. Tangling is prevented by means of several flat sticks which cross the warp at some distance from the operator, while threads which show signs of loosening are carefully rubbed with a waxed stick. On this loom the woman produces headbands, belt, and narrow strips of cloth which are made up into blankets and the like. These fabrics are often in several colors and exhibit many tasty and intricate designs, some of which will be described in the chapter on decorative art, manufacture of rope and string. At least 18 trees, shrubs, and vines are used in the making of cordage, when small trees or limbs are used, and the bark does not adhere too tightly to the wood. Sections about an arm's length are cut, and two or four splices are made at the top. These are loosened with a knife until there is enough for the hand to grasp. When the bark can be turned back like a glove, very large sections are held by two men, while a third peels off the bark. With some varieties of trees and shrubs it is found best to place the sections in the sun to dry. Then a sharp bend in the stalk causes the bark to separate from the wood so that it is easily peeled off. When large trees are used, the bark is slit lengthwise every six of eight inches, and the log is beaten with hardwood sticks. In a short time the covering loosens from the wood and is pulled off. The outside layer is worthless, but the remainder is cut into strips about a half inch in width, and is then split lengthwise into thin layers. In row making three strips are laid side by side on the fire or on a board, but with their ends at an equal distances figure 17. Number 1. These are twisted together, toward the right, until a few inches have been turned. Then the cord is put over one end of a double forked stick sequin, leaving an equal length on either side figure 17. Number 3. The two halves are twisted together until the end of one strip of bark is reached, a new piece is laid on top of the others, and as they are turned, it becomes part of the twist. As other ends are met with, new strips are added in a like manner until all the bass desired has been made. It is then wound up on the forked stick until needed. The road machine aid to the lion consists of three wooden wordles, which constitute the forming device, and a single wordle for the traveler while a groove block serves to keep the strands apart figure 17. Number 2. Three equal lengths of the prepared bast are measured, 
and an end is attached to each of the whirls of the forming machine figure 17. Number 2A. However, only one cut is made in the bast. For strand 3, all are attached to the single whirl of the traveler, and the process begins. The operator at each end turns his whirl, or set of whirls, rapidly toward the right. The one with the traveler bracing his foot against the lower end, to keep the twisting bast under tension. A third operator guides the grooved piece of wood from the traveler toward the forming machine. As the three strands twist round each other into a rope, the bast is known as Jenny Geese. The rope has tail eye, vines, rattan, and strips of bamboo are likewise twisted together to form crude, but strong cordage. The making of thread is described under spinning and weaving, but the cords used in snares and the like are prepared in a different manner. The operator squats on the ground and taking a strip of fiber, places it on his thigh, then with open palm he rolls it toward the knee. The twisted bast is bent at the center, the thumb and forefinger of the left hand hold the loop, and the two strands are placed together. These are now rolled toward the knee as before, the hand giving extra pressure on the ulnar side, and then are rolled back toward the body with pressure on the radial side. When the end of a band is reached, a new one is rolled in and the process is continued. A tie at the end keeps the cord from and twisting. When very long strips of fiber are used, two men will work together. One holds the end of the loop, while the other twists each half of the strip in the same direction. Then placing them together on his thigh, he turns them, under pressure, in the opposite direction, thus making a cord. Bark cloth. Bark cloth is still in common use for men's headbands and for clouds. It is secured from the same trees as the road material. But wider strips are taken, and it is customary to beat the bark thoroughly before it is removed from the wood. It is then split to the desired thickness, after which it is beaten with wooden or bone mallets chikai, which are generally grooved transversely. Figure 18. The cloth produced is soft and pliable, but is not of the fineness of chapa, and it is always in comparatively narrow pieces. In no instance was the operator seen to beat two strips together to gain greater breadth or to repair breaks. Basket making. In most districts the men are the basket weavers, but in some towns, especially of Ilocos Norte, the women are skilled in this industry plate Alexvii. The materials used are rattan, which may be gathered at any time, or bamboo, which is cut only during the dry season and under the waning moon. It is firmly believed that boring insects will not injure bamboo cut at this time, and it is known that the dry period stalks are the strongest. The tools employed are a short knife or a miniature head axe and in hall. With the former the operator scrapes the outer surface, and then splits the tube into strips of the desired width and thickness. A certain number of these strips, which are to be used for decoration, are rubbed with oil, and are held in the smoke of burning pine or of rice straw until a permanent black is obtained. Five weaves are recognized by the Tengian, but they are really variations of to checkerwork and the diagonal or twilled. The first and most simple is known as lagot, the technique of which is the passing of each element of the weft under one and over one of the warp elements, where the warp and weft are of uniform size, as in mats, it is impossible to distinguish the one from the other, but in many cases the weft is the smaller, fish traps and storage baskets for mangoes and cotton are generally of this type figure 19, NOS, 1 and 2, a variation of the laga known as Nenminaru, many eyes, figure 19. Number 3, is found in certain types of carrying baskets, the woven tops of hats, and the like. Here the warp is crossed, 
and the weft passes through it in regular order so as to produce hexagonal openings. Another variant is known as Kalawat figure 19, number 4. In this the warp stems are in threes, starting from they are bent down, pass over and under similar sets of three, curve on themselves or other warp stems so as to leave open spaces between. The rattan wall hangers for coconut shell dishes are usually in this weave. The greater part of the baskets are in the diagonal or twilled weave, in which each element of the weft passes over two or more warp elements. Variations are numerous, either to produce certain effects or to accommodate designs. Of these the most common are 1 under 2 over 2 etc. 2 under 2 over 2 etc. 2 under 4 over 4 etc. The weaver also frequently constructs the bottom with 2 over 4 under 4, then when the sides are made he changes to 1 over 2 under 2, until the center is reached, then one of the warp passes over 3 of the weft, for the balance the stitch is 1 over 2 under 2. This variation produces a chevron-like pattern which, in general, is known as binocle, but when it is desired to designate more closely, this name is applied to the weaving having an oblique effect figure 19. Number 5. While the horizontal is known as dinapolig figure 19. Number 6. Types of baskets, plates LXVII and LXIX show the most common types of baskets made and used in this territory. Others of Idru and Kalinga origin sometimes appear, but are seldom imitated by the local basket makers. Baskets 1 and 2 of plate LXVII are known as Kaba, and are used principally to hold in threshed rice, corn, and vegetables. Smaller baskets of the same form are for broken rice and cooked vegetables. The larger specimens are often made of rattan, while the smaller are usually of bamboo. Shallow bamboo baskets, pedasin or a load and plate LXIX. Number 2 are used as eating dishes for cooked rice. Clothing is put away in covered oval or rectangular baskets. Opidon plate LXIX. Number 4. While cotton is stored in long cylindrical baskets column plate LXVII. Number 3. The Poseidon or Lagpi plate LXIX. Number 3. Commonly called the head basket. Is the chief basket of the men. It is made of rattan. And is supported on the back by means of bands which pass over the shoulders. In it are carried extra garments and all necessities for the trail. Recently some of the men have joined together two of these baskets by means of a wide, flat band, and this is fitted over the back of a horse or carabao, an evident imitation of the saddlebags used by Spaniards and Americans. Men also carry small containers for their pipes and trinkets, or else make use of a traveling basket, such as is shown in plate LXIX. Number 5. Rice winnowers and sieves plate LVII and the fish traps shown in figure 13 conclude the list. No coiled baskets are made, aside from the decoration produced by variations in the weave. Little ornamentation is found in the basketry from Abra, but the Tingian of Ilocos Norte make and distribute large quantities of baskets with colored patterns. Colored vines are sometimes woven in but the common method is to employ black and bamboo, both in warp and weft. The top of the basket is strengthened by two hoops of rattan or bamboo. One is placed outside, the other inside. On them is laid a small strip of the same material, and all three are sewed down by passing a thin strip of rattan through two holes punched in margin. This strip doubles on itself, encircles the rim, and after an interval again passes through two more holes, and so on around the entire basket. A square base, attached in the same manner as the rim, generally completes the basket. In the mountain districts near to a Puyao. The bases of the smaller eating dishes are drawn in toward the center at four points, giving the effect of a four-pointed star. 
Matsikaman. Mats are used as beds, never as floor coverings. They are rectangular in form, usually about six feet long and three wide, and are undecorated. They are made from strips of pandanus in the Laga Weave CF. Page 423. Dyes. In recent years aniline dyes have come into favor in some villages, and a variety of colors appears in the articles made by their weavers. But the vegetable dyes used by the ancestors are still employed by most of the women. The commonest colors are blue, pink, black, red, red, and yellow. Blue is ordinarily produced by placing the leaves and branches of the indigo plant, Tayuni indigofera tinctoria in water for a few days, then to boil them, together with a little lime. The thread is dipped in the liquid. Pink is secured by crushing lingusesimum indicum L seeds and boiling them in water. Threads are placed in this for five nights, while during the day they are dried in the sun. The root of the Apatomorinda citrifolia or umbilata is next crushed, and water is added. The threads are now transferred to this liquid, and for ten days and nights are alternately soaked and sunned. A copper color results, but this soon changes to pink. It is said that the Apato alone produces a red dye. It is also claimed that the seeds of the Apangbyxa or Rylana L and of a variety of rattan, when boiled, give a permanent red. The yellow dye is produced by boiling the leaves of the Tamarindus indica L in water until a strong liquor is obtained. Bark headbands are stained a purplish red by applying a liquid secured through boiling Kalyan Diospyros cunilon DC. Bark. For ceremonial purposes they are also colored yellow by applying the juice of the Konig Kirkimalanga. But as this has a disagreeable odor, and the color is not permanent, it is not much used in everyday garments. Lemon juice is also applied to bark to give it a yellow hue. Fish nets are colored brown by dipping them into a dye made by crushing the Kantako vine in water, or by staining with the juice of the Tauwajitropha Kirkazel. The bamboo strips used in decorating basketry are blackened by holding them in the smoke of burning rice straw. Black designs, such as appear in the ornamentation of line holders and the like, are secured by rubbing oil and foot into incised lines, and then holding the object in the smoke of burning rice straw. Net making. Nets are used in fishing, in catching wild chickens and grasshoppers, and in hunting deer and pigs. The first three types are made of twine, but the fourth is of strong rope. All network is done by the man who, for this purpose, employs a mesh stick and a needle of bamboo or carabao horn figure 20. The needle number 1 also serves as a shuttle, since it carries a considerable amount of thread between the tongue and notch. The size of the loop is determined by the width of the mesh stick or spreader number 2. The operator generally sits on a rice window or, or squats on the ground with a net suspended above him play alexix. He forms the mesh by running the needle over and around the spreader and up and through the loop above, thus forming a loop on the mesh stick. This is drawn tightly. The needle is again passed through, but without encircling the stick, and thus a knot is tied. This is repeated until a row of loops has been completed. When another series is started, manufacture of pottery. In nearly every village there are two or three women who make jars and dishes, but the potters of Abang and Lakub are the only ones whose wares have a wide distribution. The clay is dampened and is carefully kneaded with the hands to remove lumps and gravel, and to reduce it to the proper consistency. A handful is taken from the mass, and is roughly modeled with the fingers to form the base of the pot. This is set on a wooden plate which, in turn, is placed in a rice win or plate XXXVI. The plate takes the place of a potter's wheel, for it is turned with the right hand while with the left the woman shapes the clay. 
and smooths it off with a dampened cloth. From time to time, she rolls out a coil of clay between the palms of her hands, lays it along the top of the vessel, and works and pinches it in. Further shaping and thinning is done with a wooden paddle and the dampened hand, and then the jar is allowed to dry slightly, before the drying has progressed far enough to render the sides rigid. A smooth stone is placed inside, and the sides are tapped gently with a paddle until properly thinned and shaped. After allowing a couple of days for drying, the potter rubs the jar inside and out with smooth stones or lippy seeds, so as to give it an even surface. When several jars or dishes have been prepared, they are placed in carabao dung or other slow-burning material and fired. This generally takes place at night, and the jars are left undisturbed until morning, when they are ready for service. Occasionally resin is rubbed over a jar while it is hot, thus giving it a glazed surface. This, however, is not common, as the resin quickly melts off the cooking utensils, while porous jars are preferred as water containers, since the seepage lowers the temperature of the contents. Vessels made in Lacuba are often decorated with incised patterns figure 22, number 8, but otherwise the Tengian ware is plain. Chinese jars are found in every village, and are highly prized, but the native potters do not imitate them in form or decoration. Had Chinese blood or influence ever been strong in the region, we might expect to find the potter's wheel and traces of true glazing, but both were lacking. Pipe making, both men and women smoke pipes consisting of a short reed handle and a small bowl. Men are the pipe makers, and often show considerable skill in the decoration of their product. The common pipe bowl is of clay, which has been carefully shaped with the fingers and a short bamboo spatula. Designs are incised, and the raised portions are further embellished by the addition of small pieces of brass wire figure 21. NOS. 4-5. The bowls are baked in a slow fire, and the mouthpieces are added. A second type of pipe or cigar holder, is made of bamboo figure 21, NOS, 13, designs are incised in the sides, oil is applied, and the pipe is held in the smoke of burning rice straw until the lines become permanently blackened figure 22, NOS, 13, in recent years, illo candle jewelers have introduced silver pipes, made from coins, one Tingian pipe maker has learned the trade, and does a lively business, he has further beautified his product by attaching pendants representing fish figure 21. Number 6. Brass pipes of Igra origin are sometimes seen, but are not made in this region. Method of drying hides, hides of carabao, and sometimes of other animals, are stretched on bamboo frames and are sun-dried plate LV. Later they are placed in water containing tanbark, and are roughly cured. Such leather is used in the manufacture of the back straps used by the weavers and in making sheaths for knives, but more commonly it is placed on the ground, and on it rice and cotton are beaten out. Chapter X Decorative Art In decorative art the Tengian offers sharp contrast to the Igru and Ifugao, both of whom have developed wood carving to a considerable extent. They also have their bodies tattooed, while the colored lashings on spear shafts, pipe stems, and other objects show a nice appreciation for color and design. In all these the Tengian is deficient or lacking, he does no wood carving, tattooing is scanty, while his basket work, except that from two small regions, is plain, at times he does make some simple designs on canes, on bamboo rice planters and weaving sticks, on lime boxes and pipe stems, but these are exceptions rather than the rule, in the region about Lakub, 
He decorates his jars by cutting the ends of sticks to form small dies which he presses into the newly fashioned clay figure 22. Membrane. While in Minabo and some other villages the pipe makers cut the bowls of the clay pipes in floral designs or in lay small pieces of brass to form scroll patterns figure 22. NOS. 47. These last mentioned designs are so restricted in their manufacture, and are so different from those found elsewhere in Abra, that they cannot be considered as typical. The figures incised in bamboo show some realistic motives, such as the fish, birds, and flowers in figure 23. Number 1, the snake and lizard in number 2, the man in number 5, but the strictly geometrical is dominant in nearly every case. Probably the most typical of this class of work is shown in NOS. 3 and 4 and figure 22, NOS, 1, 2, and 3. It should be noted, however, that, where one decorated object is seen, many more entirely plain will be found. In short, ornamentation is uncommon and of minor importance. The one place where decoration is dominant is in the weaving, and this is done entirely by the women. Figures 24 and 25 show typical designs which occur in the blankets except for number 8 in figure 24. They do not appear to be copies from nature, but all have realistic interpretations. Figure 24 shows 8 designs drawn by native weavers, which are identified as follows. 1. A fish. 2. Weaving on a Spanish bed or chair seat. 3. Pineapple. 4. A heart. 5. Fish hooks. 6. A crab. 7. Cross section of a pineapple. 8. A horse. In figure 25 or 5 typical patterns taken from blankets, while number 6 is the ornamental stitching which unites two breadths of cloth. The latter is identified as fingers and fingernails. Number 1 is the turtle. Number 2 a crab. Number 3 a rice mortar. Number 4 the bobbin winder shown in figure 16. Number 4, number 5 pineapple. Plate LXXI is a ceremonial blanket, such as is hung up over the dead. The figures are identified as a deer. Horse. Carabao calf. Man. The textile in plate LXXII. Number 1 is likewise used chiefly as a ceremonial piece. The designs representing man. Horse. Star. A very pleasing blanket is shown in plate LXXII. Number 2 in which the designs are identified as a rice cake. And as a star. While the whole pattern is known as on the river. The textile in plate LXXII. Number 1 imitates a mat while number 2 is known as Cosicos the circle. A part of these designs are evidently copies from real objects, others appear to be merely pattern names, while the weavers do not hesitate to borrow any likely patterns which strike their fancy. One quite frequently sees a blanket which shows a lion, or some other animal or object, with which the people could only become acquainted through pictures or descriptions from outside sources. In addition to these designs already mentioned, there are certain common types of decoration affected through weaving or embroidery, for which no explanations are given. They are said to be only, to make pretty. Among these are the ends of belts and clouds, as shown in plate LXXIV, or the raised diamond pattern shown in number 2 of the same plate, or the plaid effect in colors, which appear in some of the skirts. It has already been noted cf. page 416 that the weaving methods of the Tengian are similar to those of the Ilocano and the same is true of a considerable part of the decorative patterns. The Christianized natives have less of the realistic, a greater variety of geometrical designs, and a greater fondness for bright colors, made possible by the use of aniline dyes, than the mountaineers. 
It seems probable that the Tengian Ilocano peoples brought the weaving industry with them into northern Luzon, that the Ilocano branch has borrowed improved methods of manufacture, as well as decorative motives from the people with whom they have been in contact through trade. The Tengian in turn have borrowed from them, but, in the main, they still retain the more primitive methods of weaving, and it is probable their types of ornamentation likewise approximate more closely those in use in earlier times. Chapter X I Personal Adornment, Dances, and Musical Instruments The dress of the man is the cloud baal, either of beaten bark or of cloth, and a woven belt dalex in which he keeps small articles plates LXXV LXXVI. On special occasions he wears a long sleeve jacket dado, open in front, and in a few instances, trousers. Both these garments are recent acquisitions, and the latter, in particular, are not in favor, except where Ilocano influence is very strong. The man is not inclined to adorn himself with brass and gold, neither does he use tattooing to any extent, as do his Kalinga and Idro neighbors. Some have small patterns on an arm or thigh but these are usually property marks with which he brands his animals or other possessions. Tattooing as an evidence of a successful headhunt is not found in this region, nor are there other marks or garments to identify the warriors. The hair is worn long, and is parted straight down the middle, the two strands are twisted, crossed in the back, then carried to the forehead, where they are again crossed, and the ends are fastened by intertwining on each side of the head. A bark band ayaban holds the hair in place but at times it is replaced by a cloth or a narrow ring of interwoven grass and rattan. Round bamboo hats, with low dome-shaped tops, are commonly worn plate XLV, but these are sometimes displaced by hats which go to a sharp peak, or by those made of a gourd or of wood. The woman's hair is parted in the middle, and is combed straight down to the nape of the neck, where it is caught by strings of beads. These are crossed in the back and encircle the head. The strand of hair is then twisted and a loop formed which is carried to the left side, where it is again caught under the beads, near to or above the ear. Most of the Tengian have luxuriant heads of hair, but, nevertheless, switches are commonly used by both sexes. The hair is often washed with the ashes of rice straw, or with the bark of the gogo tree and tada and is moistened with coconut oil. Strings of beads encircle the women's necks but the typical ornament consists of strands above strands of beads reaching from the wrist to the elbow, and if the wealth of the owner permits, even covering the upper arm as well plate LXXIX, the strands are fastened tightly above the wrist, causing that portion of the arm to swell. Slits of bamboo are usually placed under the beads, and may be removed if the pain or annoyance of the constriction is too severe. The upper arm beads are removed with little difficulty, but those on the forearm are taken off only once or twice a year. When new threads are substituted, or when the owner is in mourning, beneath these ornaments a delicate fretwork of blue lines is tattooed, so that the woman's arms may not be white and unsightly when she is without her beads. Most of the women have their ears pierced, but in the valley towns only a small proportion wear earrings. In the mountain sections heavy ornaments of gold or copper are worn, the weight often drawing the lobe of the ear far down on the neck. When at work. The woman discards all clothing from the upper portion of her body, but at other times wears a short sleeve jacket which reaches to her waist plate LXXVII. The waist is cut so low in the neck that the head can pass through. There is no shoulder seam. A straight piece set over the shoulder extends down in square, both front and back, to a line about even with the breast, where it is sewed to the garment proper. A narrow skirt dinwa, with colored border, extends from the waist to the knees. 
it is held in place by drawing it tightly and then tucking one corner under the upper edge, or by pressing it beneath the girdle plate LXXVII. When a girl becomes a woman, she dons a girdle palanton of braided grass or rattan which fits over the hips, and to which a clout is attached plate LXXX. As a rule, the girdle and clout are not removed when bathing, as are the other garments. The woman seldom wears a hat, except when she is working in the fields, where sunshades large enough to protect the entire body are used plate lift. Frequently a cloth or a skirt is twisted about the head as a protection against the sun. On chilly mornings one often sees the people covered from head to ankles with their sleeping blankets, or a woman may draw a particularly wide skirt about her body just below the armpits so that she is protected from her breasts to the knees. The teeth of both sexes are blackened with iron salts and tan bark, but they are not cut or mutilated, as is common with many Philippine peoples. While both sexes are proud of heavy heads of hair, they do not look with equal favor on face and body hairs. These are plucked out either by grasping them between a knife blade and the thumbnail, or with a bamboo device known as ironing. This consists of a section of bamboo split into several strips at one end. A hair is placed in one end of the slits, and the bamboo is bent into a half circle, causing it to take a firm hold. When it is jerked outwards, prized necklaces pelaged made of small strands of twisted silver wire, are placed on the neck of a corpse, and on some occasions are worn by the living. During dances the hair is adorned with notched chicken feathers attached to sticks, while circlets made of boar's tusks are placed on the arms. Dances, two dances, one ceremonial, the other suitable for all occasions, are very popular. The ceremonial dance known as D.A.N. takes place at night, and is carried on to the accompaniment of a song. An equal number of men and women take part. The women form a line facing a similar row of men, about 20 feet distant locking arms about one another's waists and with one foot advanced, they begin to sway their bodies backwards and forwards, suddenly they burst into song, at the same time stepping forward with the left foot, keeping perfect time to the music, they take three steps toward the men, then retreat to their original positions, the men then take up the song and in a similar manner advance and retreat, this is repeated several times, after which the two lines join to form a circle, with arms interlocked behind one another's backs, and singing in unison, they begin to move contraclockwise. The left foot is thrown slightly backward and to the side, and the right is brought quickly up to it, causing a rising and falling of the body. The step, at first slow, becomes faster and faster till the dancers have reached the limit of their vocal and physical powers. The D.A.N. is sacred in character, is danced only at night and then under the direction of the mediums. If island, however, in great favor, and often so many of the younger people wish to take part that double lines, or two or more groups, may be dancing at the same time, it sometimes happens, when the bassy has been flowing freely, that the participants become so boisterous and the pace so fast that spectators are run down or the dancers are piled in a heap, from which they emerge laughing and shouting, the common dance, the tidic, is a part of nearly all gatherings of a social and religious nature, the music for this dance usually is made with three gonses and a drum. The gonses are pressed against the thighs of the players who kneel on the ground. Two of the coppers are beaten with a stick and the palm of the hand, while the third is played by the hands alone played LXXXI. F.